1: Good morning and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
2: And welcome to Leading Conversations, everyone. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we're speaking with Marsha Weeder. Marcia is the founder and CEO of Dream University. She's the author of numerous books, including Making Your Dreams Come True, Life is But a Dream, Dreams Are Whispers from the Soul, and Doing Less and Having More. Um, We're going to talk today about 12 Ways to Be a 21st Century Leader. Marcia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you here. So where are you today? I'm home.
3: Now, we should tell people the last time I saw you, we were in a beautiful place in New Mexico at the Transformational Leadership Council, where I actually had the privilege of speaking to that audience on some of the material that we're going to be covering today.
2: And you did a fabulous, fabulous job. Everybody was so inspired by you, and that inspired me to ask you to be here with us today because your your message is so big and so powerful um, so so let 's talk a little bit about what what 's dream university anyway <laughs> What is dream university What, what is, is the it?
3: only university in the world? solely dedicated to helping people achieve their personal and professional dreams. Mm. So it's a unique combination of the inner and the outer. And by the way, I spent time in my meditation room this morning with your beautiful journal Mm. on uh, inspired leadership. And it really, I love the questions and the comments and the thought-provoking reflections. It really worked for me. So thank you. You were with me this morning.
2: Oh, wonderful. Yeah.
3: So Dream University really is about the inner, who are you, what is your purpose, your mission, your calling, your soul, and the outer. How do you then live in integrity where the inner and the outer are aligned and you can bring who you are out into the world in a way where you can have impact or make money or make a contribution. So we put on... Oh, about 10 live events a year, as well as we have an online campus with online courses so that we really can fulfill our mission, which is all about teaching the world to dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I always feel, you know, in business, uh, dreaming is the driving force for transformation because right. without our vision, uh, you know, without vision, companies fail. And without our personal dreams and vision, life can be a little stagnant and a little bit just about solving problems. Hmm. So I think we're we're teaching people to be more visionary, to have the courage to act on what's important to them, and at a soul level to even know who we really are uh, and and maybe even ask the confronting questions such as, how do I want my life to be, Uh, which I think is confronting because if you are someone who practices living with integrity, the next question pretty much has to be, and what are you willing to do about it?
2: Do you find that there are many people that you encounter who don't believe they really have power over their life to create that?
3: Yeah, I do. Um, I think for many of us, we've become so mired in reality and so busy living from our clocks and our calendars that you know we don't even know what our dreams are, much less how to accomplish them. And I think during these crazy times where life can feel so uncertain and so out of control, uh, a lot of people are not thinking about their quote-unquote dreams. They think dreams are frivolous.
2: Um, And,
3: of course, without our dreams, all we have is reality. (laughs) And (laughs) reality is not a bad thing. You have to know where you are in order to design the strategy for where you want to go. Uh, My favorite question is, what has being realistic cost you? Because if you're overly realistic, it can really squelch your passion and kill off your dreams. And it's been medically proven that people with passion and dreams actually live longer, healthier, happier, better quality of life, life.
2: lives. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So is there a difference between dreams and goals? Yeah, and there's even a difference, I'll, I'll, I'll even take it a step
3: back one more, if I may, a difference between dreams and fantasies. I love to make that mm-hmm. distinction, too, because um, mm-hmm. the difference between a, you know, at a very simple level, let's address your question first, and that is, for me, a dream is something that you want. We'll talk more about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. A goal, basically, is by when goals, Uh projects, you know, by when are you going to accomplish it? But it's an interesting paradox, which takes us back to the dream fantasy conversation, because the difference between a dream and a fantasy, like winning the lottery, is you can't do anything to make the fantasy happen. Buy a lot of tickets, do a lot of hoping, not a very empowering stance. Uh However... Um, you know, the difference between a dream and a fantasy is that in a dream you can design a strategy. The issue is, it's a very subtle and really powerful distinction, I think. If you never go to strategy, your dream remains a fantasy. If you go to strategy too. Soon, which most of us do, we tend to compromise our dreams down to what we realistically believe is possible. The realist inside of all of us wants to know where are you going to get the time and where are you going to get the money. But in the early phases of a dream or a vision or a creative idea, chances are you don't have it all figured out. And if you go into that, okay, what's the strategy for this and I need to be realistic most likely you'll compromise the dream
2: down, and with it, squelch the passion. Oh, interesting. So give us an example of moving from fantasy to dream to strategy. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, you know, somebody might say, my dream is to travel around the world. Mm -hmm. And somebody might say, well, that's a fantasy. And I would say, well, why is that a fantasy? And they would say, you can't make it happen, and here are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And often they have to do with time and money issues. Mm -hmm. But if I can help them get outside of that limited way of thinking, Mm -hmm. I can say, well, let's not worry right now how you're going to finance it. And let's not worry about if or how you're going to get the time off from work or how your family is going to feel about it. So we have to kind of separate out the dreams and the doubts because the number one way that we sabotage our dreams is by projecting our fears into the dream. And we do it with three little words, but what if. You know, but what if I don't have the time? But what if I don't have the money? But what if I go for it and fail? And then every time we're moving toward the dream, we're also moving toward our doubts, and most people won't do it. So what I have to do is I have to tease apart What is it you want? What does it look like? Where are you doing it? You know, who's with you? What are you creating or accomplishing? I have to ask the kind of questions that you ask so beautifully to really get this person in touch with their passion, their dream. What is it they want? then later, actually before we even go to strategy, then I want to deal with their doubts and their fears and limitations because Uh most people are going to compromise the dream down and with it squelch the passion as we just talked about. So if I can keep saying to them, what else? The dreamer questions, if time and money were not issues, if you had the support of the people around you, if you knew you could not fail, or even the soul questions, what else would bring you more joy, more fulfillment? What else would have you feel that you were Living more in integrity with your soul. Like in the trip around the world, maybe it's not just going as a tourist or as a sightseer, but maybe there's a way to connect it more into something that has purpose and meaning for people, which then will raise their level of intention and commitment to actually making it happen. Oh, now, let me just say, because you asked this, at a certain point, we have to turn the dream into a project or a goal, right, okay, right. by when. And where big dreams die, you know, we could say that travel around the world is a big dream, Right. but where big dreams die is people put them on their to-do list. You can't put travel <laughs> around the world on your to-do list. You need to break it down at least into, uh, you know, uh, projects like Pre-planning, actually going on the trip, and then maybe maintenance or something like that. So I recommend people create projects that are one month or less so that it's short enough time where you can keep your passion ignited and your excitement up, but a long enough time where you can actually produce a result and see that you're actually moving toward the dream. So we have to see that we're progressing, otherwise the doubter comes in and just, you know, has a heyday with
2: us. Right. So I like what you're saying about um, my paraphrasing, really creating what you're committed to. So, you know, it's I want to travel around the world, but there's something, there's a kernel of something in there that you can commit to that's going to drive the whole process for you that 's right, I love that, yeah it 's sort of the for a lot of us, um, we have to go
3: on, and you don 't have to travel around the world for a year to do this, but we have to go on what I call a passion quest, where you take a period of time um, it could be a weekend, a month, it could be a year you don 't have to put the rest of your life on hold. you can still pay the bills and have your job if that 's what 's needed, but a period of time to really discover who who am I. What is it that matters to me? What is it that I'm passionate about? And then really explore what do I want to do about that to have that be more uh, in in my life and more aligned with, have my life be more aligned with who I am.
2: Mm. Wow. So, you know, that, that brings up so many different things for me. When I think about people in leadership roles today, and I hear from many of my clients, um, I love my job. I'm really happy to be leading this organization. And boy, you know, I kind of wish it was more interesting, mm-hmm. or I wish um, I wasn't so tired, or mm-hmm. um, I wish it was more meaningful. I mean, fill in the blanks, right? Right,
3: lots of wishing.
2: Yeah, a lot. And, um, and, and there are many people who believe that, um, they're stuck. You know, this is as good as it gets.
3: So what do you say to those people? Oh, I guess I would say, um, how committed to that belief are you? Mm. <laughs> you know, Is that belief really serving you? And I might work with them to actually shift that belief at a foundational level to know that their dreams do matter, that it's never been a better or more important time to act on their dreams. And I would also have compassion that the reality of life right now is we can feel a little defeated, depleted, disappointed and maybe even depressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at all those Ds I rolled off. <laughs> A little <That's> bad word. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, so I might start them small. I might start them with uh, what's something that you want, because clearly with this person, their dreamer has needs healing. Mm. And, you know, you're so masterful at that work. So I would, you know, I would compassionately support them on taking small steps. Start with something that you want, something that matters to you, that you feel that you can easily create or accomplish. Mm -hmm. And we would really begin the healing process of reconnecting to that part of yourself and also the healing around believing in your dreams. You know, I I was thinking that I was reading, uh, rereading, of course, the Prophet recently, and there's that wonderful quote where uh, 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 Khalil Gibran says Mm -hmm. that doubt is a feeling too, too lonely to know, that faith is its twin brother. Wow. I love that. Doubt is a feeling too lonely to know that faith is its twin brother. I mean, in the work that I do, whether I'm working with executives or I'm in companies uh, doing kind of a a unique form of team building, which is really about a dream team and and igniting passion in in the workplace, you know, the question really is, are you more committed to your dream or more committed to your doubt? And the evidence is in the action that you're taking or not taking every day. And if all you're doing is putting out fires and solving problems, problem solving is a useful and necessary skill, but if life is just about checking problems off your list, usually at the end of the day we're not too lit up and on fire. Now, of course, I will say the methodology that I teach is literally about helping people turn their life right side up so that someday soon what you'll see scheduled on your calendar primarily are activities that are moving you forward on your dreams, all that are the expression of your purpose. That's really living a dream come true life. So it can be done. It starts with uh, the exercise that we did at TLC, which is about saying no more and no thank you, and we can share more about that if you would like. Uh, But we have to clear away some clutter. We need to say no thank you to what's no longer true for us. We need to stop living out of integrity with our soul, and we need to stop acting like victims because it's the acting like the victim, I think, that really perpetuates the myth that we are one.
2: You know, I think that there are people walking around, maybe even acting like victims, who don't think like that they're like victims. Right. Yeah. Right. So they're really not feeling, and this is where, where the Catch-22 comes, they're not feeling like um, that they don't have any power in their life, but they're they're not acting like they do. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, and... What what is your relationship to power? Oh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship to power? Mm-hmm.
3: Because hopefully it's one of humility, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but not so much humility that you're collapsed mm-hmm. into thinking that you're worthless. So I think there's something uh. about this, you know, this right relationship. Uh, you know, it's so funny. People say to me, well, how, you know, I want to be a coach, Marsha. We, we, we teach a lot of people to be executive coaches, personal coaches. It's our unique brand. We call it Dream mm-hmm. Coaching. And people can find out more about it by going to dreamuniversity.com and clicking on programs and live programs. I only do it once a year in, in the Bay Area. But people often say to me, well, how can I think about being a coach when my life is not all together? it 's not perfect well right. it 's not about perfection it 's much more about intention, but intention without integrity is just a nice idea, And I think this whole idea about our relationship to power again it 's about can we put ourselves in the right relationship? I help people discover their life 's purpose, and they say, "But my life doesn 't reflect that I say that 's right. Go back and make changes so that it does.
2: Because for
3: most of us, you know, our life is a product of us saying no when we want, saying no when we wanted to say yes, yes when we wanted to Mm. say no, Mm. reacting and responding, putting out fires, getting on a track for something early and young, uh, you know, and that's why I think we do see midlife crises and I think the way to head off a midlife crisis is to have a midlife awakening and to really say what is my relationship to power what's the right use of my power and how can I use my power really in service to my purpose you know I, I, I love this question i some, somehow this came out of me one day and I've used it ever since is your ego in service to your soul or is your soul enslaved by your ego That is a great question. Because I think that really determines a lot about our right relationship to power.
2: Well put, Marcia. We have more to talk about with Marcia Weaver when we come right back.
1: consulting developing leaders worldwide
4: get ready for straight talk live with tanya walker From the worlds of business, entertainment, health, and politics, enjoy intimate interviews and spirited roundtable discussions with Tanya's guest experts and friends. Tanya may be best known for her Emmy-nominated role as Alex from ABC TV's One Life to Live, but she's also an award-winning film and Broadway producer with a passion for straight, honest journalism. So don't miss Straight Talk Live with Tanya Walker, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: We appreciate you joining our Leading Conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today our guest is Marcia Weider, founder and CEO of Dream University. So, Marsha, you talk about being a 21st century visionary and you have an entire plan for making that happen. <laughs> so let's step us through this. What's <laughs> important? Well, here? I wouldn't say
3: so much that it's a plan as much as it's concepts. And okay. But but I, what I do want to say is this came out of three years. Now, this is going to sound much bigger than it is, but three years of retreat. And what I mean by that was I was still working during that time, but I really was getting a lot of, kind of internal guidance to slow down and to stop. Mm. And during this period of three years, I was painting, I was still leading workshops, I was still speaking, I was still writing, but by my own terms, I would say I was in coast mode. Now, nobody else would say that if they looked at me, but comparatively to where my life is now and how much busier and more consumptive it has become, it was a really lovely time. (laughs) So during that time, you know, because you, you'll see it all, uh, you know, um, I'm going to tell people where they can actually get a copy of this as well. Oh, um, great. If you, yeah, if you go to dreamuniversity.com and mm-hmm. right across the top nav bar, all the way to the right, it says DreamU News. And if you click on that, it'll take you to our blog. And there's mm-hmm. an ongoing discussion going on right now. It says, check yourself out. Are you a visionary? And the uh, PDF with the 12 ways to be a 21st century visionary mm-hmm. is right there. So that's what I'm going to be uh, talking about here now. What's interesting is that um, they're are concepts. Um, but I, I think it's important to hear that. Okay, I, I lived through them because we could see that we could see it on a uh, single piece of paper like this and go, oh, that's nice. She sat down and wrote that in an afternoon, <laughs> you know. But it's three well, years not of so. my life. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put it into a little bit of context. So where would you like to start? At the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, this is great because I'm right on the blog, so I'm looking at it there. So um, the number one thing, and I I can't even remember at this point the order that I put them in because number Mm -hmm. 12 is integrity, and that's usually Mm. the point that I start with. But for some reason, when I put it together, this just is where it landed. So number one is really about getting comfortable with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I love it because I really have come to learn that this is the place where true creation occurs and What most people are freaked out about. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, and the truth of it is, we're everything at a certain level is uncertain. So if we're wired to think and believe that, oh no, uncertainty, uh oh, you know, here we go again. It's like every moment of every day could be an uh oh experience, or we could just get so stuck and mired in reality, stuck in the status quo, and mired in you know, in the you know, oh let me control everything inside my life if you think about it that really is a victim mentality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it just kind of says you know don't move don't take a risk don't stretch too high don't step outside of the norm anyway you know we were created to create and we really need to allow the time and space for true creation to occur and um And, you know, there is a a way and a time and a place for us to engage with it, but engaging with it is very different than controlling it. So,
2: how do you teach people to? become comfortable with uncertainty. Right?
3: Uh, I have a really simple practice for this. I love that you asked. What my my really simple answer is spend a period of time not using your GPS. Go get lost for a while.
2: <laughs>
3: but on a, Just level,
2: <laughs>
3: on a more practical level, I think you have to explore something that is uncertain for you. Mm. Something that is unknown, something that is new. For me, I took up painting and oh. my story inside my head was, "Oh, this is going to be Disastrous! You don't know uh-huh. anything about art. You can't. Blah blah blah. You're so blah blah blah. You're not blank enough. And I thought, well, to quiet that voice, what I did was I took up abstract painting, and it was uh-huh. very healing for me, Cheryl, because I could paint something, you know, and hold it vertically, and if I didn't like it, I could turn it horizontally, and chances right. were I'd like it better. Right. Right. That's so great. I, I quelled the inner critic. Um, I actually gave it a new job description. It became like an inner coach. You heard me. Talk about this. Validating feedback before it can give me constructive feedback. (laughs) And I think great. the way to get uncomfortable with uncertainty is to start to do things that you're not certain of. Take a ballroom dancing I, you know I mean you want to be really crazy and push it to the edge. go jump out of an airplane, but I don't think okay. it has to be that wild. I think it, I think it's just as what is something I don't know I'm not sure of, or even this i'm certain I can't do it like mm-hmm. I was certain that I could not cook, and I took French cooking classes, and within a matter of days, I was making roux and I was making sauces, wow. and I was making... <laughs> <souffle>. <laughs> I never did get the souffle to rise, but I, really, I doing anything else. <laughs> I Well, that actually gives I, I me... I think it's such a critical factor for us to get comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. That's why it's number one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I think that what you're describing, that space that people step into where... I I don't know how to do it. I'm not the expert and, you know, what if somebody sees me not knowing how to do it? That's right. You
3: know, there's a big how fear. How will I look?
2: Mm-hmm. It's
3: the same reason why people don't like to share their dreams. If I tell you my dream, mm-hmm. I might fail. What will you think of me? You might laugh at me, you know, or the really big reason, I don't want to tell you my dream because you might expect me to do something about it. <laughs> Which, by yeah. the way, is why like coaching has become a multi 1000000000 dollar industry yeah. because we're much more likely to do something when we tell someone
2: else we're going to do it. And you know right. this firsthand. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So let's go to the next one about faith. A 21st century
3: visionary really needs to have, I would say it that way, extraordinary faith because it, it's, it's almost like you have to believe in something even though there are no promises, guarantees, or assurances. Like you have to believe in something because it matters to you enough that you can actually walk on faith. And, and this is true if you look at most big visionaries. They don't have strategy. They don't even necessarily know clear steps. They have the big vision. They're, they're sharing it and inspiring other people with it, but they don't necessarily know how they're going to get from point A to point B. Now, some of them do, but many don't. And the point here is that they don't have to know in order. You know what? I have a crazy little barking duck. Come here, chow. He's, I have two little Yorkies. One's oh. on the couch and the other one can't get up. So he's just giving us a little bark, bark, bark.
2: <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> so hear him. So I have, have him in my barker. lap now.
3: Sorry if that was distracting. No, no. Yeah, little puppies. Chow and Bella. They're brother and Aww. sister. So we get to go, Chow Bella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cute, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> so extraordinary faith. And I think this is a good, I I love this leads into number three. So number three is, um, and instead of saying you here, I'm going to say we. We as 21st century visionaries know, excuse me, that the secret to enlightenment is to relax, Mm. and that, you know, as we relax, our ego can actually fall away, and we're left with our divine, essential, essence, and soul. Um, and I I really learned this. I was painting, and I was feeling so free. I was wide open. I didn't care what color I was putting on the paper. I wasn't thinking about it, and I felt really tapped in and connected to something very expanded and and expansive, and I, I had this one thought, which is, gee, I wonder what my friend Chris is going to think of this painting when I get home to show it to her, and with that single thought, I, I became immobilized. Like I was afraid of putting the wrong color on the paper, afraid of putting down the wrong mark. And it was like I went from being wide open to it. Literally, was the experience Cheryl of an entire corridor of doors closing, wow. yeah. and it and it was just so extreme that I, I sort of had to sit on the floor and say. What just happened? Um, Mm -hmm. I pride myself on being a teacher who is experiential, that I live through something, I I learn it, and then I do my best to teach it. And in that moment, I knew I was being given an important teaching point for myself and maybe Mm -hmm. others. And... I realized if that was exactly it. I, I, just, I contracted with this single judgmental thought. So I thought, well, let me see if I can get back to that same state. And I breathed in a few times. Nothing happened. When I exhaled, and actually emptied, which has to do with the next point, which is about getting empty, I could, it was almost like I had space for the space. Uh, you know, it was like I could feel myself opening and expanding again. So I think that this is really a big point. I used to think that... You know, enlightenment was something I prayed and hoped would happen before mm-hmm. I died. Mm-hmm. And ever since having this insight, I really get that enlightenment is a daily, maybe a moment-by-moment practice. If I can spend more time in the quote-unquote light, being open, being expressive, being creative, being generous, connected to the virtues, and less time being hijacked by my doubt fear and internal victim and other voices, right, right. then I
2: truly am living an enlightened life. Well, you know, and as you say that, I, the visual I had was the breathing out is really breathing out the fear.
3: Oh, that's really beautiful. It's not just it exhaling. Go. It's breathing out the fear. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Powerful. With each, every time I exhale, even just now, I drop into a deeper place inside mm. myself. So this is number four, where when we practice getting empty, we can hear the voice of the divine. We can feel this presence. Um, And I would say that visionaries often have the practice of creating simple rituals or Mm -hmm. sacred space as a way to actually practice inviting this in and living in this heightened or more conscious space. But we Mm -hmm. we also have to remember to do it because we're so busy and i you know i think i don't know that i have this down as as an actual point but i do think there's something about i i'm saying it because i'm dealing with it now that we have to remember that if we truly are called that we have a purpose a mission or if we mm-hmm. feel that we're a messenger in some way that we need to remember to take care of ourselves to yes. really honor our heart and soul to have the time, this so-called ritual time, which which can be something, um, you know, simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, we go off to sit on a mountain. It could be that we um, light a candle. It could be that I close my eyes for a minute. You know, it could be that I bring my hands to my heart to remember that I have one. Mm. Because I can get so caught up in my head (laughs) and in my thinking that I forget that I have this heart connection, which is a really deep and profound part of myself. So, Mm. there you go. I love it. You know, I'm gonna remember that daily. Important. Here's <laughs> another one I don't think I have written down, but I like in this moment. It's important for us to remember that our you know, our voice, our throat is between
2: our head and heart. So we need both. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. Oh, very good. You're just making all kinds of good stuff here. So we so then we empty and Yeah, so we, number five. We, Yeah,
3: Uh, and we we actually are talking about this right now that we consciously drop into a deeper place of wisdom, knowing and truth. Great place to, and one of my favorite words, ideate from. Great place to dream from. Great place to actually speak from. So kind of this deeper wisdom, and again, just kind of the reminder here that we need to remember to do this. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that just because we've done it once or twice that we do it automatically. Um, I mean, I think it's critical that. You know, as 21st century visionaries, we remember that we're we're people first. We're humans first, that, you know, that mm-hmm. we do have our foibles and that it's really important for us to remember. And, and cheat sheets work well here. I have Post-it notes on my computer. Breathe, you know, you know right. empty. <laughs> right. Take some quality right. time. Remember to turn and look out the window as opposed to, which yeah. I'm going to do right now, as opposed <laughs> to just being so focused on the computer yeah. screen.
2: Because that happens to be where we're parked. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that really requires a pretty deep level of self awareness, just a constant checking in, just a constant scanning where am I now, what's happening with me now, um, that, you know, a lot of people don't do. Yes, I, I think um,
3: we have a responsibility, those of us that are leading groups or touching people or wanting to be great parents, to develop the practice of ongoing self-reflectance. That mm-hmm. I think that that really needs to be kind of a a default switch, and Mm -hmm. I like that you named it because I do it so often and and so regularly um, that often I don't even realize that that's what I'm doing. I'll tell you when I realized that last week I was leading a, a workshop called How to Be a Masterful Workshop Conductor, and I was having to name a lot of the things that I do in autopilot. So it was really interesting because all week I was in this heightened state of self-reflecting and naming what I was doing. Why was I taking the group left as opposed to right? Why was I using bad voice? Why was I bringing, you know, when do you bring in energy that's the same to match and mm-hmm. deepen? When do you bring in energy that's the opposite, perhaps to have some kind of awakening experience in the room? And it just really, you know, I just started to say, like, to think about how, wow, I do so many of these things kind of, Intuitively and transparently, that excuse me, it was a really useful practice to Mm -hmm. be remember to remember to like oh this is going on all the time this this Um, and I I like that you named it because I I would have forgotten it and I when I read the twelve ways to be a twenty first century visionary this entire handout. Um, I think it's all through the lens of self-reflected, yeah. right, right. But it's interesting because we have to be careful. That could very quickly turn into narcissism, couldn't it? You oh know,
2: yeah. Uh, you know that. Oh, and
3: yeah. that I just, I just was getting that distinction as you're talking about it. It's like. I have to have my attention on myself but not so much <laughs>
2: mm, yeah not so much in a specific way i have so to be watching what see. it is that
3: i'm doing oh, and we, so you know and we, so we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute i have to be watching what it is that i'm doing but not get so enamored with myself <laughs>
2: absolutely absolutely well we're going to talk more about uh, the 12 ways to be a 21st century visionary when we come right back
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we have Marcia Weeder with us today. So, Marcia, we're in the middle of talking about 12 ways to be a 21st century leader, and you've been pointing out some very important practices and steps um, that someone who really wants to look at bringing themselves into the role of visionary and what they need to do. And you know, a lot of this is about... Getting developing self-awareness, you mm-hmm. know really being able to, as you said, um, see yourself and see others and, and not get too focused on yourself but really be aware of yourself so what what else do we need to be doing?
3: Well I, you know I, I realized um, I, I want to just throw up very quickly how I speak about a visionary. A visionary has a vision. <laughs> important first step or a big dream <laughs> Good. articulates it with clarity so people get it expresses mm-hmm. it with passion so others are inspired by it and I mm-hmm. would say because I don't know that I actually have this one on here I, I talk about it a little bit when I talk about collaboration but um, mm-hmm. a, you know a, a visionary inspires others to join them so it's mm-hmm. not like we're just out there doing it ourselves so right. I think that that's important because you and I can use the word visionary and leader somewhat interchangeably but yes. you know, yeah. I, I I think i I don't know that all visionaries are leaders or that all leaders are visionaries. So I I like that we're teasing it apart a little bit. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that the next step, step, number six, is that we're aware that miracles happen in in their own time. And mm-hmm. both, m- mostly, uh, this point is about patience, <laughs> that mm-hmm. we actually learn how to wait rather than asserting our will or effort too soon. There's something about... Uh, letting a process unfold. Now, I did not know this when I was in my 30s and my 40s. My mentality was right or wrong, choose. And I I do think that there really is something about patience and allowing something to unfold, not necessarily just sitting sitting and waiting, uh, but something about allowing. Um, And I think this is a good lead-in then for number seven, that we know that that, um, this is about being receptive, and that give and take is not the same as give and receive. Um, Hmm. Ideally, there's something about giving and receiving in balance. And I think real visionaries have really developed the art of restraint, Um, allowing space for other people's ideas, allowing space for creation, and allowing space for true original thought to happen. And it it just often happens in its own time and space. So I think that there's
2: a tie-in between this whole thing of patience and allowing. Well, absolutely, and I like what you say there about patience not being waiting but being in that allowing space. Um, you know i my and what you said earlier about you know your previous in a previous lifetime you know when you were younger um, it was choose you know right or not it was you know take action exactly. right or not and and i believe that a lot of people still live by that mantra and um and in, and there's some merit to you know don't stay in paralysis just move, just move into some sort of action so something happens. Um, so helping people to un- understand and to be able to discern the difference between being stuck in paralysis and intentionally being in the space of patience
3: would be important here. I think the difference is relaxation which goes back mm-hmm. to the secret to enlightenment, mm-hmm. that if I'm in paralysis and I'm anxious, I'm white-knuckled is kind of the image yeah, that I have, yeah, yeah. as opposed to I'm breathing, I'm sitting in the rose garden, I'm, you know, I, maybe I'm, I've, the uh, way that I shift the energy is I change my state or I change my environment. I go out and mm-hmm. get a walk or play tennis or something mm-hmm. to shift mm-hmm. the energy, and it is true, you know, that um, we can get really stuck and one mm-hmm. step, can really make a difference, Um, but it doesn't have to be necessarily a step that's about left or right. Sometimes it can be straight ahead. Can you take a minute
2: before Mm -hmm. we we move further into these 12 ways, can you take a minute and talk about changing your state?
3: Well, I, I, I would first say I'm not an expert on it. There are people who are much more expert than I, but I do know this, that when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm frustrated, if I just walk outside and go sit in the rose garden, I feel better. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're feeling crummy, do something else. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Right, right. I mean, it it right. can be as simple as that. And, right. you know, I've heard techniques like go drink a large glass of water. Anytime I go play with the puppies, it's like it's releasing oxytocin sure. and I feel, I feel happy again. Sure, so sure. if I'm really stuck and I'm banging my head and I can't solve an issue, I need to move away from the, the, the place that I am and really just open up to a different way of feeling, a different perspective, a different environment. It could be as simple mm-hmm. as that.
2: Right. Good. Good. Remarking. Yeah, thanks for
3: asking. I appreciate okay. that. So this is great. Number eight is about, well, we don't live primarily as problem solvers, but more as a creative force. You know, we're aware that it's more powerful to move toward what you want than away from you don't from what you don't want. It's like, mm. you know, it's health. It, it's um, more empowering to move toward. I want to be healthy and physically fit than it is to move away from. I want to lose weight or I want to quit smoking. It's just a principle mm. in physics. It's just more energetically powerful to move toward right. what you want. But a right. true visionary also knows that both creation. And destruction serve. Both are important. Uh-huh. So it's our ability to create something and to destroy something that's no longer working, to right. morph it into something new. That's the right. sign of a true visionary. Right, right. I know we can... touched upon briefly, but we have a conscious relationship with the silent witness the part that can see many points of view all sides and new perspectives so it's almost like um, we're willing to traverse new terrain I think it's the part of us that can get us to take action when we're not really certain or really not clear about something um, or maybe I'm you know I'm kind of stuck and I just I, I just relax. Some part of me often has insight that I'm like, where did that come from? That was a really Mm. amazing insight. And, you know, no wine before it's time. The (laughs) idea is when they're ready. But also there's something to be said about creating the space for that creative thought to actually arise and to be present enough to hear it, capture it, document it, and when it's
2: time to move on it. Hmm. So, Okay. Let, let's move on to the next. Collaboration.
3: You're a, a true visionary knows how to be collaborative rather than just hierarchical. So it's like, it's like we have the courage, clarity, and commitment to share dreams, and this is the piece, empowering others to take ownership. So, um, I, you know, the, a true visionary actually doesn't like the, for, for the, most of the ones I meet, we don't like the minutiae, we don't like the detail, we love to get things started, um, but often we're afraid to hand it over because of the uncertainty of what will happen. And then you can start to see how this is not really a linear process, <laughs> that at any time you might need to go back and work on different points. But there really is something here about empowering others that then allows the visionary, when, when and desired to move on to another vision.
2: Yeah. Well, and this this requires a bit of vulnerability, right?
3: I think a lot of vulnerability, a lot of trust, this deep faith, you know, and surrounding yourself with good people, which I think is also a really wonderful skill that a visionary has. But often we don't know who the good people are because we haven't empowered them to step up and step out, and that Mm -hmm. definitely takes some muscle.
2: It absolutely does. The vulnerability
3: so, muscle, as you said. Yeah, <laughs> Number absolutely. 11, this was a little self-serving to Dream University. It says, you are crucial to the dream movement's ultimate dream, mm. which is to make the world a better place. And that we know that with one single highly intentional step, the world can and certainly has changed. I mean, think, think of the image of the Berlin Wall coming down right. and so many other images, you know, of, of one person really making a difference um, I love that Margaret Mead quote where the anthropologist Dr. Mm-hmm. Mead said, "Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has." And I know it's an overquoted quote. I know that it's quoted a lot, but I just want us to know that one person really can make a difference. But it's this idea of a highly intentional step. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, intention without integrity is just a nice idea. The road Mm -hmm. to hell is paved with good intentions. So number 12 is about integrity, that beyond keeping your agreements with yourself and others, you answer to a higher source. You have a purpose, mission, vision, calling, and dreams in many areas of life. Uh, you know, and then I go on you know really that you know my commitment for being a 21st century visionary really takes me back to my core purpose, which is to believe my mission is to help others believe in themselves and their dreams. My vision is to lead a dream movement in order to make the world a better place, and my calling is to help us remember who we are and why we 're here. And by the way, anybody that's interested in sharing their mission, purpose, vision, or commenting on any of these points or leaving any feedback or asking any questions, just go to dreamuniversity.com right across the top there Dream You News will take you to the blog and you'll see the PDF is there, you're welcome to download it right. um, yeah, yeah, we're just getting it up, if you're not seeing it right now Cheryl, don't worry No, yeah, no, i are <laughs> uh, get getting it. it up right now, um, but, it, but those of you that are listening to this call, it's up and it's a place where you can comment, how do you see yourself, which qualities do you resonate with, any questions you have or comments, this is a great place to engage and of course you can also sign up for the three free eBooks there as well. I want to
2: go back to something you said um, about the visionary and, you know, having a purpose, mission, vision, calling, and dreams. And I'm thinking about the mission, purpose, mission, vision, very often is attempted by people in organizations, you know, about their organization. And you've probably had the experience where these become an exercise in semantics, and um, they're, they don't really live in organizations. Have you had the experience where you have helped leaders in organizations really really work with this so that it lives? Oh,
3: it's a good question. I mean, I've been to companies where it's chiseled into the wall and nobody knows mm-hmm. what it means. Right, right. So, um, you know, I do think it really is incumbent again on the visionary slash leader mm-hmm. to really create the culture that has everybody own this because um, yeah. I would say it this way, Cheryl. I, I love that you asked the question that people will join your organization because they 're inspired by you or their or the product or the company, but people mm-hmm. stay the retention conversation mm-hmm. you know we stay when we see that our unique purpose can contribute to the company 's mission or vision in a way where we feel appreciated or acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, and and, and I think that when I get hired to go into companies and do my workshop on passion and productivity, the feedback that we often get is, oh, the results were so much longer lasting than just a traditional team building exercise because, I mean, it's really, really critical. Each of us has our own unique purpose, but then there's a shared mission or vision that the company has, and there needs to be alignment, you know, before, you know, before there's going to be any buy-in to it. I don't know which one has to come first, but there needs to be buy-in and alignment, and most importantly, I need to know that I fit in, that this is the right Mm -hmm. place for me, so that if I can bring my unique gifts to your team's mission or vision or to the team's dream, I'm going to feel appreciated and acknowledged, and the next time somebody comes to offer me a few more thousand dollars to go down the street, I'm not going, because this is where I
2: belong. Yeah, yeah. That's big, you know, and um, I, I believe this is a challenge um, more and more, as companies become multinationals, as they expand into different markets, as, um, you know, it's, your your groups become groups of 150, 200, 300 people within an organization that is, you know, 5,000, 6,000, 20,000 people, and it's really tough mm-hmm. for people to feel like it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to take risks, it's okay to put my own dream out there to, to make, those, um, take, make those risky steps. Take those Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so what you're providing us is um, really um, almost like a manifesto, you know, almost like um, if I keep this in front of me and use it as my checklist, you know, um, I can begin to build this as a habit in myself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love
3: what you brought in as well Cheryl, the whole piece around self-awareness. It's like, okay, you know, I'm you, we could do a little checklist on this. And like I said, people can get a copy of it on the blog, but you can say, "Wow, where am I?" Let me go through each one of these and let me rate myself mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 yeah. to 5. 1 being it's not even on my radar, 5 is I don't even think about it, it's such a part right. of myself. Right. And then we can start to determine based on the lower numbers Oh, here's a curriculum for myself. Here's how I can grow and develop. Oh, what elements or what qualities were not even on this list that I would want to add? What are some of my own unique ones that I would add to the list? And then that really becomes a a practice for, uh, for me to become and live more into
2: being more of a visionary, if that's what's important. Fantastic. Marsha, we're coming to the end of the show. It's been great having you here with us today. And I know people will want to know more and how to connect with you. So where should they go? Our main website is dreamuniversity.com. That's pretty simple, dreamuniversity.com.
3: And right there, you'll see an offer for three beautiful and powerful eBooks that will help you get clear about your vision, believe more fully in yourself, and of course, take action. So that's a little thank you gift to all of you for taking the time to listen in. And then, if you want to comment on the 12 ways to be a 21st century visionary, or add any that I missed, just click on Dream U News. It'll take you to our blog and. The- I'd love to get to know you that way and read your comments as well. Also, Great. please do check out the live programs at undreamuniversity.com. Go to Programs, and you'll see both the live courses that we have coming up, everything from How to Be an Inspiring Speaker to our coaching certification, as well as some online courses that are available. So
2: check us out. Lots of resources. Marcia Weider, thank you so much for being with us today. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.